gone way too far. It's on page 842 in my Bible. If you are a guest with us uh, today, we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We ask that you would uh, please uh, fill out a guest card in the seat back pocket in front of you uh, and give us as much information as you feel comfortable. And then on your way out, if you would just stop at our uh, Welcome Center and turn in that guest card, we have a free gift uh, just for you just for you. Now, if you are a regular attender here and or a a member here at the well, uh, we ask that you would please uh, not forget uh, to give on your way out unless you've already done so. You can text the number that's there on the screen. You can visit our website uh, or you can send it in uh, the mail to us. Um, Also, uh, just as a reminder to you, just as a reminder to you, uh, next week, next week, uh, Sunday, so a week from today, um, our new worship leader and pastor will be here uh, with us. Zachariah Barnes and his family are getting in this week, so he'll be leading worship next Sunday, and um, I'm really excited for each one of you guys uh, to meet him. And then last but not least, uh, this coming Friday night from 5 to 9, uh, there is a scavenger hunt happening down at the fairgrounds. The men's and men, uh, women's ministry are kind of partnering up and doing this, and so um, if you are a couple or a family, uh, we are meeting down at the fairgrounds, and we will have more information out uh, on that this uh, week at some point. Um, and so, like I said, we will be in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and we kicked off this new series last week called Made to Worship. And we looked uh, last week at what worship was and how we were created to worship God. Now today, I want to dive a little deeper into worship and talk about how we prepare, how we prepare for worship. And before I get started, before we dive in, I'm just going to ask you right now to please, please, please uh, put your spiritual seatbelts on. Uh, It's going to be a heavy message today for you. Uh, And I've been praying and asking uh, God to, to intervene in this place. I've asked our prayer team to pray with me as well as we dive in. Now, uh, someone once told me that uh, people on an airplane and people in the seats of a church have a lot in common, that they're all on a journey. Most are well-behaved and presentable, while some doze off. Uh, I was, you guys can laugh, that's okay. Some doze off. Uh, others enter a mindless trance when they're in church, and few gaze out the window. Most, though, if not all, are satisfied with a predictable experience. For many, the mark of a good flight and the mark of a good worship service are exactly the same. And it's the word nice. That was a nice flight. That was a nice worship service. Most of the time. We exit the building and we exit the plane the same way we entered, unmoved, unchanged, unaltered, and we're happy to return the next time. If you were to walk into many church buildings today, Sunday, and look at the faces, you would see some people laughing and giggling. You would see a few cranky people. There's always those in church. But by and large... Most people are content, content just to be there, 
Content to sit and look straight ahead and leave when the service is over. Content to endure. Content with mundane. Content with the nice service. But few, however, will seek more. And those leave wide-eyed and wondered of having experienced worship rather than merely just enduring it. The destination of worship is to meet God. We talked about that last week. And as with any journey, we need proper preparation so that we can experience God rather than just endure a church service. Rather than just endure our Christian life. We should want a memorable trip, not a mundane trip. We should want God. We should want to seek God. We should want to sit in God's presence, just like we were singing about with that song, Nothing Else. But for many, we don't know how to do that. We don't prepare to worship. So what does our our flight check require of us? What does it require? Because travel always demands preparation. Now, they don't know that I'm going to make fun of them a little bit this morning, uh, but those two young individuals that were up here on the stage with my wife and I uh, were two of our former students from our youth ministry in Florida where we came from. And they're here visiting us right now. And uh, I thought it uh, actually quite funny uh, as we were sitting and talking about how uh, they prepare to come and visit us. And um, Leanna is uh, 16 years old, and uh, she has a personality similar to mine. And so when you get us both in the same room, it's really crazy, and you don't want to be around. Uh, Because we're the rule followers, and we're the structured people, and the organized ones. And uh, Leanna is sharing with me that she was working and had church, and just all of these different things going on, and that she uh, didn't pack until the night before the trip, and I about had a heart attack. Um, I'm the guy who like packs days and days in advance. I got that from my mom. And, and so we, I, I, I was laughing at this, that she was, she seemed like she was ill prepared to come and it was just not in her nature. It was uncharacteristic like of Anna, uh, of Leanna to, to be ill prepared to travel. And so I'm sitting here thinking about this very thought, what What preparations do we have to make when we're going on a journey? What preparations should we have on this journey of life, of of giving our life over to worship? And I came across this passage of scripture, and I believe Solomon laid it out very plainly for us. And so I want us to pick up, and I want us to read what the wisest and richest man on the face of the planet wrote thousands of years ago. Because he gave pre-flight instructions to us on how to encounter God when we enter his house. So look at this in verse number 1 of chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth. Let not, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and the fool's voice with many words. 
when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the works of your hands? For when, you, or for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. God, we come to you in this place right now, and we are asking of you for your presence to flood this service. God, help the words and the truth that will be spoken this morning not to fall on deaf ears. Help us to listen and to hear and to even ask of you to search us so that we would know if there's anything unclean within us. God, I'm, I'm asking of you right now to do a work through this message that you have given to me. Holy Spirit, break and penetrate deep within us. Help us to see how to prepare to meet you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. The first thing I want us to see this morning in this passage of Scripture is that we need to prepare to meet God. We need to prepare to meet God. Solomon wrote right out of the gate in verse number one, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Another version of that same exact verse says, watch your feet when you go before God. That phrase, guard your steps there in this passage of scripture means to proceed with reverence. It means to tiptoe into the presence of God. Solomon is telling us as believers when we enter this house to come with care and caution. He's telling us to come with dignity and respect. We should approach God with the same care that Moses did when he encountered God at the burning bush. What did he do? He removed his sandals because he was on holy ground. He was on holy ground. How many of you in here uh, know the longtime Christian artist Sandy Patty? She sang a song called Holy Ground. We are standing in his presence on holy ground. That's exactly what she was talking about. Being in the presence of God. I'm removing my sandals. I'm getting down on my face before you, God, because this is a place of holiness. There was a place of holiness, reverence, awe. I remember when I was a child and um, we went to a church not too far from here when I was a kid and they were very, very, very strict about everything. And I remember as a kid I had a lot of energy. Anyone's kids have a lot of energy? Yeah. So I remember having a lot of energy when I was a kid and I would take off running through the gymnasium of our church and I ran into what they called the sanctuary, so that the place where we would gather together. And I always heard, there's no running in church! Always. It was one of those things that was instilled in me 
after a short time as a child, that when you walk into the space here where we meet, where we're experiencing the presence of God, there's to be a reverence for this place. It is not supposed to be something that we take flippantly. And I learned that as a child, and it's something that I've instilled into our children and had much conversation with my wife about. Do I love to see life in the building? Do I love to see young families with kids? Yes, we're a young family that has kids. But this place right here, I was taught, was a place of reverence. To fear the Lord when you walk in this building because I've come prepared to meet the Holy of Holies. The King of Kings. Do you know in the Old Testament when they walked into the Holy of Holies, only the priest could do so after he had done massive amounts of preparations to walk in. And if he walked into that place with an unclean heart, he would be struck dead. They used to wear bells. So that way, if they died, you would know because they just hit the ground and those bells were ringing and they had a rope attached to their waist and that way they would pull them out because if the next person walked in, they would be struck dead. So often, we come into a building and we just say, well, it's a building where we gather and we sing songs and we hear the word of God and we have no reverence for God in this place. And that's sad. That's sad reality, especially if you are a child of God. I'm not talking about us physically running to meet God. But when we walk in this place, we are spiritually and mentally and emotionally running to meet God. That's how we should be. It's really sad because I think too often many of us do church like we do lunch. Casual and unprepared. Our hearts and our minds do not show a profound awe and respect. We don't anticipate God's voice. And consequently, we're unable to experience the presence of God that will stir up our souls and change our lives because we're not prepared. I want to encourage you with something this morning. I want to encourage you to come to worship on Sundays prepared to meet God. Pray before you come here. So that when you come, you're prepared to pray. And, and, and sleep before you come here. So that you will stay alert when you arrive. And read, read God's word before you come so that your heart will be soft and pliable, ready to worship and receive. Come hungry. Come, come willing. Come expecting of God to work. Prepare worship. Prepare. The second thing I need us to see in this passage of scripture is that we have to prevent idle ears from pridefulness. We have to prevent idle ears from pridefulness. Do you know that pridefulness is the reason why people don't worship God? I've got it all figured out. I've got this on my own. Oh, I know God's word. Huh. Why, do, why do I have to pray? God already knows. You know how many times I've sat in counseling appointments with, with people over 13 years of ministry and they've made that statement, why do I have to pray? God already knows. Come prepared so that you prevent idle ears from pridefulness. 
several years ago. I had just gone through and finished up my counseling training to become a biblical counselor. And the very first um, counselees that I took on were a husband and a wife. And they were having some serious marital struggles. And they were going back and forth and back and forth. And it seemed like it was an endless battle. Every time I would meet with them, it was something else. And we'd see breakthrough, and then it was something else. And we would see breakthrough, and then it was something else. And I got to this point where I was just so frustrated by this whole entire situation. And they walk into the room, and the husband sits down, and he's, he starts talking first. And he said, Pastor, he said, my wife and I were fighting as we were walking in the building today. And he said, you know, my wife and I have a lot of words, but it's very rare that I get to use mine. Talking about his wife, that she doesn't stop. And in that very moment of time, I thought to myself, I wonder if that's how God feels when he's trying to speak to his children. I wonder if that's how God feels. And then I, I went back to this thought as I was writing uh, this sermon and, and thinking about Ethan and Leanna coming up here. And I, th I thought about the times that I had been able to, to fly, and um, I thought about the flight attendants, and how before the trip is about to start, and you have that one that's got the really cool voice, and they get over the telephone, over the intercoms, and they tell you how to wear your seatbelt, and they, they tell you where the exit doors are, even though they're labeled, and, and they tell you what to do in case of an emergency, and if the airbags drop down, like... And in this case, because of COVID, they have to tell you to remove your mask before you put the air. I don't know why they'd have to do that, but they do. And they go through this process multiple times a day. Multiple times a day, they explain how to use these things. Yet most of the people on the plane are talking, or they're reading their book, or they're looking out the window, or they're digging in their carry-on bag, and they're not even listening to the instructions. Nothing. The flight attendant must know how God feels when God's trying to talk to his children. When people come into his church, you know, we, we show up to church after we've made a mad dash out of the house. And then World War III occurred in your car on the way over between you and your spouse or you and your kids. And then you walk into the building here after you've said a few choice words to the person who cut you off in traffic. Right? And you stroll into the worship center and you're like, nobody took my seat. The seat that I sit in every single week. Nobody took it. And then you start looking around at who's present in the building. And before you know it, the preacher is preaching. And you've wondered to yourself, why didn't they sing a song that I liked? And then, bam, the service is over, and you've left, and you've heard not a lick of anything. Nothing. And you walk out of this building the same exact way that you entered. Not listening. Not prepared. Prideful. Solomon offered instruction right out of the gate. He didn't just say, guard your steps when you enter the house of the Lord. He said, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. To 
draw near to listen. Think about it with me for a moment, church. When we come to worship, we've come to meet God. We've come to meet God, the living God, who just like last week, we heard that he has an agenda for each and every one of us. When we come to meet God, we should be well advised to let God do the talking. We should be well advised. Because God wants to communicate with us, church. God wants to communicate with you this morning. Do you believe that? Prevent idle ears and pridefulness. The third thing I want us to see this morning is to present humility. Present humility before God. Present humility. Solomon picks back up in verse number 2. And he says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. It says, For God is in heaven, and you are on the earth. God is in heaven. I want you guys to know something here. Don't miss this. When Solomon said that God was in heaven and you were on the earth, this was not a perspective of distance. He was giving you a perspective of God's place over all of his creation. God is in the realm of the infinite, is what he's saying. And he says that God will penetrate that which is inaudible to the human ear. He's saying that God will peer into what's invisible to the human eyes. He's saying God is God and you are not. I am not. Your spouse is not. Your kid is. God is God. That's what Solomon is saying. And he's saying that he is in heaven and you are on the earth. God is Lord. He's making the statement before you saying we should awe over the one who created us. And when we prepare for worship, we need to remember that we're approaching God and we should do so in the state of humility. One where it says, I will bow down my life before you. Not one that comes in with their chest puffed up saying, what can I get from God today? But one who says, God, I will submit to you right here. I want to lay my life down. Just like I mentioned last week, Go back and read, when you leave here today, go back and read Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah had an encounter with the Lord. And it said that the heavens opened. And Isaiah was moved so much by the presence of God that the first thing that he did was fall on his face. He could not even look at God. And he cried out to God in his moment of weakness. And he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Because he was in God's presence. He didn't say, oh, that's nice. He fell on his face. So church, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you fell on your face before God? I had to ask myself that, that, that very question this week. When was the last time I fell on my face before God? 
Have I read? Yes. Have I prayed? Yes. But when was the last time I was completely laid out before God? It's a humbling question to ask, and it's even more humiliating if your answer is it's been a long time or I can't remember. We should come prepared to see God's reigning power and to receive God's wisdom. And and when we do those things, love is produced within us and the response is awe. A-W-E, awe. You know, one of the greatest benefits... One of the greatest benefits of gaining a proper perspective of God is that not only do we gain a perspective of his throne, but we gain the view from his throne. We gain the view from his throne. When we enter into God's presence, we are able to look at the world around us from his perspective. We're we're able to find that the things that we thought were mountains were really just molehills. It may have seemed great and mighty in the world's eyes, but it turns out to be small and insignificant to God. You're able to see that what what may have looked like weakness was actually strength because of the power of God in you. And then we ask ourselves, when the last time was that we looked at our own personal struggles and in frustrations through God's perspective. Worship is a time where we come into God's presence so that we can see our difficulties and rewards from His perspective. I'm going to say that again. Worship is a time where we enter into God's presence so that we can see our difficulties and rewards from His perspective. Not from mine, not from yours or your spouse's, but from His The next thing I would like for us to see from this passage of scripture this morning is that we need to predicate our speech to God. We need to predicate our speech to God. I want to reread a couple of verses real quick. Number four, verse number four says, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. In other words, what Solomon is trying to tell us here is that we need to be a people who keeps their word. People who keeps their word. Words may not mean a lot to you, but they mean a lot to God. A lot. And in God's eyes, a promise is a promise. It's one that if you vow it, you keep it. If you vow it, you keep it. uh, David Allen Hubbard, who was one of the co-founders and the presidents of the Fuller Theological Seminary, he said this, and his quote is going to come to the screen. It says, it's better to bribe a judge than to ply God with hollow words. It is better to slap a policeman than to seek God's influence by meaningless gestures. 
It is better to perjure yourself in court than to harry God with promises that you cannot keep. It is better to have full adoration of our spirit and the true obedience of our heart because this is what God's demand is for our life and that is what he delights in. Obedience, adoration of his spirit, that's what God wants from you as a believer. Consider for just a moment the promises that you have made to God. I want you to think with me for just a moment. The promises that you made to God. God, if you help me out of this situation, I promise to follow you. God, if you get me through this, I'll read your word and I will pray every single day. What about before God and the people that showed up to your wedding? For richer or for poorer? In sickness and in health? As long as you both shall live. What about those vows? What about, I promise to remain morally pure for my spouse? What about, I'm going to rededicate my life, God, and I promise I'm going to spend more time with my family or my kids? Yes, I will become a missionary and I will give up my entire life. Church, what promises of your time and your commitments and your life and your money have you made and not kept? Think about that. When we make a commitment, we should be a people who keep it. People who keep it. As I'm thinking through this thought of commitment, I think about how making commitments is just like flying on an airplane. Once you're in the air, there's no turning back. You, you, you can't commit and get in your seat and buckle up, and then they are, they're gone from the runway and be like, huh, I've changed my mind, I want to get off. It doesn't work that way. We can't say, I don't really want to go. Can you just turn back so I can get out of the plane? When we come to worship, it's better not to vow at all than to fail to keep your word. It's better to not vow at all. There's a, a song that we used to sing at, at our uh, previous ministry with our youth group. And um, a song that I, I heard many, many moons ago. And the song, in a portion of it, says that I've made you promises a thousand times. And I thought I'd heard from heaven, but I talked the whole time. Because I've made you too small. And I never feared you at all. And the song goes on to say that if I saw your face, would I even know you? And if you looked into my eyes, would I behold you what do I know of you who spoke me into motion and where have I even stood but the shore along your ocean and she goes on to say what do I even know of holy
church. What vows that you've made to God are you breaking right now? As a believer in Jesus Christ in this building, if you don't live like God's word says to live, if you have committed your life to Christ and you don't live that out, you're breaking a vow. If you're not obedient to the Holy Spirit's work in your life, you're breaking a vow. If you don't come prepared to worship God in this place, you're breaking a vow. So what, what vows are you breaking in your relationship with the Lord? Because the, this last thing I want us to see out of this passage of Scripture is the one thing the one thing that if kept before you will keep you on the straight and narrow path. And it's this, to prize God. To prize God. I'm not talking about a possession to be won. But I'm talking about a fear. Solomon closed out verse number 7. And he said, for when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one that you must fear. To fear God does not mean that you have a dread or a terror. It means that I have holy awe and respect for him. Holy awe and respect. In other words, it means that we take God seriously. To take God serious. I once uh, was with my family traveling to North Carolina. And if you've ever had to drive on 95 up in North Florida and into South Carolina, 95 is like the worst road ever. It, all it is is bump, 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 for four hours, the whole entire time. And there was this huge billboard, like massive billboard, as we were about to cross the state line into North Carolina. And it, it, was, it was like almost two billboards put together. It was that large. And it was for a church. And I'm that guy that looks at other churches' billboards and other churches' signs, and sometimes I'm critical of them. Don't judge me. But there was this sign, massive, massive, massive sign. And it, it said this on it, casual worship, 9.30 a.m. Casual worship. Now, I knew what they meant, or at least I was assuming I was assuming that what they meant by that statement was that the dress was casual, that it was informal. But I believe wholeheartedly that what Solomon is saying to us this morning, and what I believe wholeheartedly is spoken about all throughout Scripture, is that there is nothing casual about worship, nothing at all. Far too often we take God so lightly Far too often, we approach God in a trite and casual fashion. Far too often, churches think of God as our buddy or our pal. And though the Bible does talk about God being our friend, that does not mean that we have lost our reverence of Him. 
This is the eternal God that we are talking about here. One who has a claim on our life because he's our creator. And if we have become his children, then he has placed eternity inside of us. We are to approach him with respect, with reverence. We have to stop playing games with God. Don't make the mistake and think that God does not like laughter or fun. God delights in his people with a sense of humor. You can actually see it sometimes in scripture. But worshiping God is serious business. Worshiping God is serious. We, we should come prepared when we come in this place. Um, a friend of mine is a pastor, a youth pastor. And he told me a story uh, one time of, of them taking a group of students overseas on a missions trip. And there was a young lady about the age of 16 years old. Her name was Sarah, and um, she was a good-natured girl. She was very playful, and um, she was a little bit of a prankster, but it was nothing serious. And they were walking through airport security prior to the tragedy of 9-11. Prior. And the guy starts flipping through her, her bag that was there, and she playfully said, what, do you think I have a gun? And she was quickly whisked away. She was searched. All of her belongings were searched. There was no gun. And she was scolded. She gets on that plane. And she walked away from that experience talking to him and his wife. And she said, I know now that I will never, ever, ever walk through an airport security and make jokes about guns. Entering God's presence is not a joking matter. It's serious business. Worship is not an endurance contest. It's a marvelous adventure in which we get to enter into the presence of the God of the universe. It's not business as usual, but it's a wonder-filled ride into a new dimension of life. It's not a mundane trip. It's a memorable journey. And on that journey, our reaction should not just be, that was a nice service. That was a nice passage of scripture. That was a nice event. But rather, the words of a child... When my kids first flew the first time, the very first time they got on a plane, I remember Israel getting off and he said, Daddy, that was awesome. And so like the words of my son, our trip, this journey that we're on with God is one that is not 
awesome the way we know it, but it's awesome. Church. What do you need to do next week? What do you need to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to prepare to meet God? What vows do you need to start keeping starting today? Will you come up and play something on the piano for me? I believe that right now we need to make decisions. I believe right now we need to heed the very words in which were spoken to us. I believe we need to take serious God's word. Everywhere in scripture when God's word was spoken, there was a response that was supposed to occur. And I believe right now in this place, responses need to happen. I'm not talking about you jumping out of your seat and raising your hand and saying, I'm giving my life to Christ. And if that is you, then let's do it. I'll be right here. But I believe there are people in this room right now that need to take serious the vows that they've been breaking to God. There are people in this room right now that need, need to make a serious step to get back on the right path. There are people in this place right now who need to come forward to this altar just to be alone with God. And if that's you, get out of your seat. No one's, no one's going to look at you funny. We're all sinners in this place. I know that God has been moving in here. I can see it. else is going to get out of their seat and say, God, I'm I'm going to come up front. That's what this altar is for.
God, we just come to you. We ask of God right now in this place that you would search each and every one of us. God, that you would reveal to us the things in our lives that need to be different. The ways in which we have strayed reveal to us the places in which we need to to allow the Holy Spirit to correct. Reviews this passage of scripture this morning as we go from this place that we would meditate upon this, this portion of your word that we would know what it means to prepare, that it would become a part of our lifestyle and who we are, that we would want to be ready to meet with you. God, I just ask of you right now, Send your Holy Spirit as we leave from this place, God, that we we would have conviction, that we would follow those convictions. We would follow through with them as to what your, your word says for us to do. How would we respond? Whether it's salvation, whether it's accountability through discipleship, growing in our understanding of God's word. ask for a ripple to occur here throughout our church. The stones are being thrown into the water, God. I'm just asking for the ripples to keep going. Just ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.